Welcome to the Authentic Wife Show. I'm Beth Rolls, a conscious marriage coach and author of The Authentic Wife, Uncaging Yourself Through Marriage. I help driven moms who love their kids more than they hate their marriage use the conflict in their relationship to become their most authentic selves so they can create a relationship and life they don't want to escape from. Stop waiting for your husband to evolve and start making every day feel like a vacation. You can find my book, tons of free resources, and Happily Ever After, the only marriage-saving coaching program on my website, theauthenticwifeandmom.com. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Authentic Wife Show. I'm so happy that you're here. And if you're a returning listener and have gotten value from this podcast before, please stop and go back and leave a review because your reviews help more people find this podcast and have the transformation that my clients and myself have had because they know how to change and improve their marriage. So stop and go give us a review and thank you so very much. I appreciate you. Today, I want to talk about a couple things. So first of all, you know, we have a new puppy and they finally were able to get her in at the vet. I made the appointment way back when we got her and this was when they could first see her. And the vet told me something that kind of made me think about relationships and the problems specifically that my clients have just a little bit differently. It was just like a good, a good metaphor for it, maybe. So she was telling me how with the puppy, I said something to her. We were talking about food because she wasn't really eating all of her food. And she was like, well, the kids need to feed her too. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> they will sometimes, sometimes. They will. Or she, I said, they do sometimes I think. And she's like, well, you need to know if they're feeding it or not and stuff. And then then we kind of moved on and talked about how the puppy wouldn't really jump or bite at me, but she would with the kids and stuff. And she pointed out, she goes, as long as you are the only one meeting the puppy's needs, you will be the only one that the puppy looks at as something more than another puppy. That was so fascinating to me because she's like, and I don't know if it's politically correct to use this anymore, but it was what she said to me. And I'm just going to repeat it because I don't know what a good alternative is, but she's like, everybody else is low man on the totem pole. Everybody else in the family is not important to her. You are the one who's meeting her needs. So everybody else just seems like an equal, like a plaything. And I was like, oh, that is the thing that I wanted and that my clients want is we want our husbands to be another top of the totem pole person in the house. We don't want the kids to, you know, we want to lead them, but we don't want to be their sole source of everything. And so I think that when I say like your husband feels like another child, 
it's not only because he's coming in with his own needs. It's because he is not at the top. (laughs) The kids know they can't count on him. They know that he doesn't meet their needs. So everything is mommy, everything. And I know that I felt that. And I can imagine that if you're listening, a lot of you feel that as well, where you just want, I often say another partner, but it's almost like you actually kind of want another equal, (laughs) another parent, another adult in the house. And it's not always about the actual tasks. I think that it's about just the pressure being the leader, being the one that they go to. And also for me and for you, probably it's that we don't want our children to not have the experience of having a father because when he's just like their buddy, when he's not meeting any of their needs, he's literally not meeting their needs, their emotional and psychological needs for that father figure in their lives or that other adult that balances out who they are, that shows them the wholeness of who they are. That is half of where they get their genes from. They need that stability, that rock of an adult who is going to be there to show them the things they need to show them and meet the needs that they need to meet for them and talk to them and empathize with them. And so it's just so much more than the actual acts of service, you could call them, of getting them dressed or feeding them or whatever. It's, we want you to be the other person that they look up to. And I know that if I had men listening, I don't know that men listen to this podcast, you could say, well, I try to do the thing. And then my wife undermines me or disrespects me or tells me how I'm doing it wrong. And that is because you're only stepping up to enforce boundaries or really enforce conditioning most of the time, because so many of us are unconscious and feel disrespected or feel like rules are being broken. And they're really just coming from an unconscious place anyway. And your kids are not going to respect you if you're a low man on the totem pole. If daddy feels like another puppy, (laughs) they don't care. They don't care what you say. And then to them, it just seems like you come in and you're either puppy or angry. You either play with me or you yell at me. And there's zero respect. And as moms who just really care, we know that that is not good for our kids. And we don't want that for our kids. Of course, we like, in theory, we want you to play with them, but we want you to play with them as dad, as like that lion who's playing with his cubs to teach him how this is done, how you defend yourself, that kind of thing. It's not, we don't want them to look at you as a worthless plaything who's also angry. And I think for a lot of my clients, that's what dad feels like because he only suddenly tries to be the adult when he's yelling or screaming about something, when he's in fear about something, when he's, and maybe he's sensing that a boundary needs to be enforced, 
but he's been so MIA and MIA and modeling that boundary for so long that it just comes across as very fake and just not genuine because all of a sudden you're saying this, but you know, maybe you're yelling at your kid about being on their phone, but you're on your phone constantly, or maybe you're yelling at them about being on a video game constantly, but you're on your phone constantly. And you can say, well, I do that for work and they're just playing game, but it doesn't matter. You're on a screen constantly. That's what you've been modeling. So I think that it was really cool to hear that from the vet and fully realize that this is another way to articulate what the women that I work with really want. And that is for the their partner, their husband to step up and be that equal leader in the home who can get down and play because all parents can get down and play, who can get down and empathize, but also is dependable to help our children meet their needs. And that includes those needs for daddy, connection with daddy, to have the loving gaze of daddy, to have daddy understand me, all of those needs, not just their physical needs. So that is important. You know, with a puppy, it's especially important because they're trying to survive. So who puts food in their bowl matters. Who lets them outside matters. Who plays with them matters less. <laughs> they're thinking about survival. They're going to follow the source of food. Dogs are conditioned. Children are not. If you read my new book, Brickhouse Boundaries, I talk about it a little bit because it's really hard for me as a conscious parent to get into the mindset of conditioning again, because I'm like, but she's a living being and I want her to make smart choices, but she's an animal and animals are conditioned, but your son or daughter is not conditioned. We don't use fear. We don't use rewards. We don't use punishments. We don't use treats. We don't use those tools. We don't use their survival as the thing that gets them to behave the way we want them to behave. We use their beautiful big brains as the thing that gets them to behave how we want them to behave. And in the end, it's really more like an imprint because they're watching what we model and that is what they're doing. And so we talk about how we, you know, use emotions as guidance, how we process what we're feeling, how we, if we develop relationships in front of them, if we take care of ourselves, if we meditate, if we love to learn, if we read books, those things, they're going to do those things. But an animal just follows the food and follows the treats. And when you want them to learn how to do something for you, you have to use the lure and you teach them over and over again with a treat every single time. That's what she told me, you know, every time they sit Every time they do the thing you want them to do, you have to have the treat right there. And so now I have treats all over my house, but that's not what we do with children. We don't need to, because just doing the right thing feels good for a human. It just feels normal. And we have language. And so we're constantly processing and understanding what's happening, can critically think through things. It's just very different very different. So if that resonates with you, I love to love to hear your thoughts on that, but it really is like wanting, you know, that truly equal other adult in the house. 
And by that, we mean that our kids can also depend on you to meet their needs. They don't just depend on one parent to do it. And you especially can't not meet their needs and then come in as some kind of enforcer or police or a judge and jury and, or come in with a bad mood and dump that all over the kids. That just makes us crazy because <laughs> that we want you as far away from possible. You can't not meet their needs and also be a threat at the same time. That is a double whammy. And I think that is when moms really start to think about divorce because it's just so wildly unacceptable. So, so unacceptable. So I wasn't going to talk about it, but, but I'm feeling the pull now and it's not like, um, trying to not talk about it. I just didn't think it was important, but I have started uh, substitute teaching and, and it's very interesting either, you know, reading about the children or just interacting with them. I can almost see who their parents are by how each child behaves. I can tell the kids who get in trouble I can tell the kids who are punished physically. I can tell the kids who are encouraged. I can tell who's been given everything they ever want. I can tell the kids who are coming to school sad and upset. And it's all heartbreaking and it's also nice to be there with them because I do care so deeply about kids. And so while I don't have a teaching degree, I know child development very, very well. I've I have written a little quick reference guide on it. I know what our kids go through at different ages. I feel pretty intimate with what kids need and, and their development. And it is it's hard to be in there knowing the volume of unmet needs that sits in the classroom and that I, I just want to scoop them up and talk to them. Like I talk to my clients and really meet each one individually. And I try to do that through their schoolwork. I do as much positive reflection as I can, as much empathy as I can. Um, and I hope that it becomes a bright spot in their day or a good memory for them, or they feel empowered by something I've said. And then I just have to know that they will find somebody like me when they get older and they'll heal and know that it was never about them. And sometimes I, you know, I see the damage happen at school and the only, if there's a silver lining to that, the only silver lining is that the damage that comes from school is not nearly as impactful as the damage that comes from a parent. So I try to remember that and, and just know that, you know, even if, if somebody is kind of unconscious with them, it's not the end of the world. And, and then I feel very confident that if they were something beyond just unconscious and I could handle that because I observed it. But I'm also really impressed with all the staff that I've seen and how well 
they do work. And something else I noticed that I think is important is that for a lot of the really good teachers, they have uh, a lot of structure and not that they're rigid, but mainly just that they have a routine, they have structure, they have things that they always say, things that they always do. There's a flow to the day kind of thing. And I'm willing to bet that for a lot of these kids, that is one of the only places where they go and have that kind of predictability and structure and routine. And I'm sure they love it. And I include myself in that. My house is not super structured and we don't have a a really strong routine, especially in the summer and stuff. So I know that my kids benefit from going into that kind of routine during the day. And I think it's so important. And so I know there's many arguments for and against school. And again, I was homeschooled and I'm not homeschooling, but I would say that if you were to have an argument for school, that kind of structure and routine and familiarity and predictability is a very good thing for our kids. Even if the academic portion is not what we want it to be, even if our kids aren't getting all the things that they need, that one thing can probably mean a lot to some of these kids. So that was, that's a plus to see. And I am enjoying that journey. It's nice to be able to be involved and help out the schools where they need help and also to get some more one-on-one time with other kids. And I'm in the same system where my kids go to school. So it's nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to brag, but it is nice to have teachers come up and tell me how very nice and wonderful my kids are. And I just want to say, yeah, and you know what? I never, ever spank them. I never punish them. I never, ever put them in timeout. I have never given them a reward. (laughs) I mean, I give them things all the time, but not like you do this. I'm going to give you a reward. They have earned money in my house, but I've never given them a reward. They only had one chart on the wall that they used for about a day, which was just to remind them what to do when they get ready for bed but there was no consequence or whatever. They didn't, it didn't matter if they filled it out or not. It was more just to have the visual there. Um, and, you know, I'm not taking all the credit because kids are who they are, but yeah, it is really cool. Cause I remember when I started conscious parenting and how many people said this will never work and you're crazy, you're nuts. Wait till you have more kids. And it a hundred percent does work. And I also, I mean, I'm new at this, but so far using what I know about conflict resolution and communication and empathy and child development has been very effective in the classroom management. I am learning my way through that, but even in some challenging, more inclusive rooms, those things still work wonders. So I can't. I can't imagine not having the skills that I have now. If I had like gone to school and become a teacher when I was 19, I would look back with so much regret because I just truly would not have had the skills to manage these kids or to see them or to give them what they need. So it's really powerful. So anyway, if your husband feels like another child 
Or if you feel like you don't have time for self-care, if you feel like your husband's incompetent, won't follow directions, if all he does is complain or say that everything is your fault, and if you have to feel like you have to do everything or it doesn't get done, I have been in your shoes. I know what it's like. And, and just like the, with the vet, the solution is to get everybody to start meeting the needs of the dog so that the dog sees them as a leader. The solution in your home is really to stop being the one to meet every need of your husband, because that kind of forces him to step into his role as the other parent. Uh, and if you want to learn how to do that, you can join happily ever after. You can do it now for just a 30 day kind of boot camp experience, or you can do the full six months. If you've ever felt like it would be perfect for you, but the pricing was out of reach, you can pay with PayPal, which will offer you some financing and you can split that up. When I looked at it, it showed me an option of six to 24 monthly payments. So that can be a great way to make it more affordable for you. You can just go to happilyeveraftercoach.com to get started. Thank you for being here. Thank you for reviewing the show and I will see you next time.